CSB AM-FM News Center. Good afternoon and welcome to another edition of Money Talk. I'm Neil Kreisel, and Diane Duver and I are your hosts every week right here on AM 1290, FM 96.9, and streaming at AM 1290, KZSB.com. We're repeated at 11 and Saturdays at 6. We're brought to you by Cornerstone Home Lending, whose highly trained and experienced team takes great pride in helping people with home financing, offering competitive rates and a wide array of loan programs. American Riviera Bank, smart banking for smart people in Santa Barbara at Figueroa and Anacapa Streets and at Montecito's Upper Village. And Arlington Financial Advisors, a leading wealth management firm in Santa Barbara, providing its clients with the personal care and attention of a small independent firm, coupled with the vast resources of a major financial institution. Hi, Neil. How are you doing? How are you, how are you doing in your perfect 75 degree weather today? Um, well, you know, I, I do not find a complaint. You spend too much time complaining about the weather, and today is pretty darn perfect here. It is nice. It is very nice. But it's also um, uh, depressing when you end up spending your time when you're not walking your dogs watching CNN and you see the winds of war again, as Leon Uris said. Um, I didn't think we'd see this day when we're back to uh, risk going back into uh, the 30s. You're absolutely right. But, you know, I look at it as our weather is one of the things that you can actually look to and try to take your mind off the crazy that's going on in the world. Um, so um, by any chance, uh, did we, uh, were we were we able to get a guest for today? We were fortunate for our listeners. We were able to get a guest. <laughs> we have Susie Miner with us, who is the founder of Lucky Tail. Susie, thanks so much for being with, her, with us here today. It's my pleasure. Glad to be here. So, you know, the first article that I brought in today is, uh, you know, apropos of what's going on in the world, and it's entitled, this is from Sunday's, Saturday's Wall Street Journal, How to Invest Calmly in a Chaotic World. And it begins by saying that uh, at these very moments uh, that investors, uh, uh, these very moments that investors need to be even more skeptical about what it takes uh, to deal with uh, uncertainty. And um, when uh, prior to the uh, Russian invasion, uh, everyone believed that you know interest rates were going to rise and that was uh, maybe even more significantly than anticipated a few months ago. And that was really one of the driving factors in the uh, stock market uh, outlook for a lot of traders. And right now, uh, it, because of the uh, situation in Ukraine, that you now have probably uh, the anticipation that maybe the interest rates won't rise that much. So the point here is, you know, not w whether we can predict interest rates, but when you're certain about something, it may not turn out to be correct. And therefore, the the lesson in this article is that you should not reconstruct your portfolio. Uh, based on scenarios that happen uh, over a very short period of time. Um, it's a bad idea, uh, he says, to um, change views when, um, in fact, it is not clear that whatever you view will be 
the reality. And uh, this was written by Jason Swag, and he wrote a companion piece uh, that uh, that sort of ties into this, and it's called "How to Own Your Own Investing Mistakes." And um, what he he said is that he, he quotes uh, John Kenneth Galbraith, who said, "Faced with a choice between uh, changing one's mind and proving that there is no need to uh, change your mind, almost everyone gets busy on the proof." And um, he uses an example, and there's a fund that he picks on, or picks he picks on and talks about, called the Hussman Fund, which um, uh, in a period where the S&P gained 14.6% per year for the last 10 years, um, this fund has lost 4.7% annually uh, over the 10-year period. And uh, he interviewed Hussman, and Hussman said, look, I think the market's overvalued. I thought it was overvalued for the last ten years, and I'm sticking to my to my guns. And um, you know, the the lesson here that you know the two articles together is says number one, don't make decisions based upon very short term current events, and also own your own mistakes, and don't just simply look to justify something that goes wrong and stick to it, but think about. Uh, what it is that you did wrong so you don't repeat it again. And at the end of the article, he, he makes an interesting allusion. He says that we should take a cue from baseball, where the scoreboard not only shows the runs and the hits, it also shows the errors. And people ought to you know, fess up, intellectually at least, to their own errors. You know, and I also think as investors, it's important to, to have a long-term plan. You know, no one knows what's going to happen or what the outcome of this score is going to be. But what what you do need to do is is have your investment philosophy philosophy be solid and work in tandem with your long term plan. You know, in any one day, anything can happen in the market. But it's if you have your eye on the future and to a long term, you're much more protected from making panic decisions. Now we've talked a lot about the the advantage of having a financial advisor. Or a psychiatrist, somebody to you know, or both, or both, <laughs> but somebody to you know hold your hand or hold your fingers from exercising a trade because you're panicked about something or you've made a decision based on a split second piece of information. Uh, the next article uh, it was interesting because when we talk about the underfunding of pension funds, uh, and we've talked about that a lot, we've essentially said that the problem has been that interest rates are so low and have been so low for 10 years that uh, insurance companies can't buy bonds that are high enough in return to pay the expected uh, uh, payments they have to make. Well, this article, uh, today's uh, 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 Wall Street Journal said, inflation raises expenses uh, for uh, for, uh, pension funds. And and what, what it means is that uh, when you have inflation, the cost of living uh, clauses in the uh, pension fund of individual companies kicks in and raises benefits. And um, the article states that half of all state-linked pension benefits uh, for retired workers have this adjustment. So with inflation reaching 7%, there's going to be for at least half of all pension funds in America, a significant increase in payouts. So the problem for pension funds is not simply that they don't have the return necessary to meet the expectations they thought they'd have, but with inflation, you've got the possibility of, and the likelihood 
you're going to have to inc increase your payments as well, which will exacerbate the situation. Absolutely. You know, look at Social Security. It got a five um, Social Security re recipients received a 5.9% raise this year due to inflation. And so when you layer that on top of the already unfunded pension liabilities that many states face, that's why every time there's a budget surplus in the state of California, I write to the governor and say, I think we should fund these unfunded pension liabilities because the sooner we can get those dollars working for the pensions, the better off overall the system will be. Does the governor write you back? No one's no one's no one's written me back or listened to me yet, Neil. But you know, I figure I have a radio show, so I, I might as well ex, ex, pontificate about it here. Yeah, I wonder if the sig our signal goes up to Sacramento. Anyway, um, this next article I found really uh, uh, yeah, compelling, given my age and given the fact that so many people in this town fit into the demographic that the article is talking about. It was in yesterday's Washington Post, and um, it's talking about baby boomers' retirement uh, and how people have had a very difficult time retiring. And they... Uh, feature a, a guy who uh, sold his insurance company to a business partner 15 years ago when he was like 62, and he promised he'd retire when he had 75 or 73. So when he finally hit that, he retired. He sold all his shares to his former partner, but went to work every day. He would put a suit and tie on. He'd drive from Westchester to New York City, and he couldn't stop. He said, you know, I love the drive. I love to get. And what happened was he sat in his office. And when uh, people came in for questions who were, you know, looking for advice, they would go to him. He had no interest in the company. Anyway, he's had to go through some therapy to figure out how to deal with the rest of his life. And it's going to be a problem for, you know, the older baby boomers as they have to give up with their their life was all about for so many years. But I thought I the think interesting- the emblematic point of that, Neil, is look at our politicians. You know, yeah. where is the next generation? You know, the, the president of the United States shouldn't be, you know, 75 plus, should be someone younger. And I, I think that's the baby boomers are, are are stifling that next generation. Yeah. And in fact, to your point, the, the, I was going to end this article with what the article ended was that when he retired- the revenue of um, of the company, the revenues of the company were um, uh, uh, five hundred thousand uh, dollars. Today, uh, it's four million. Uh, he had four employees. Now he's now they have sixteen. So not only should he have retired, but it looks like the next generation did a better job, which is, I guess. To your report, uh, you're listening to Money Talk on AM 1290 and FM 96.9, and we'll be right back. For prospective homebuyers, one of the most important steps of the loan process is getting clear and honest information from someone who will speak plainly and truthfully about loan programs and options. I'm Kelly Marsh, Vice President, California, of Cornerstone Home Lending, where our highly skilled and experienced team takes great pride in helping clients obtain home financing with honest, knowledgeable, fast, friendly, and efficient service. As a Santa Barbara native who has spent the past 20 years in the mortgage industry and has closed over 4,000 loans, I'd appreciate the opportunity to earn your business and invite 
invite you to visit the kellymarshteam.com or call my office at 805-563-1100 to learn more about how Cornerstone Home Lending can help you determine the best way to manage mortgage debt to achieve a more stable financial future. Licensed by the Department of Business Oversight under the California Residential Mortgage Lending Act. California Residential Mortgage Lending Act license number 41DB072220. California Financial Lending Law license number 60DB072528. Loan originator NMLS number 245822. Not a commitment to loan. Equal housing opportunity. Only in the forest can you see this. And this. And this. But nothing beats the moment you see that. Cool! That's your child's eyes opening up to a world of possibilities. I didn't know it could do that! Because one trip to the forest can spark a world of difference. There are some moments only the forest can inspire. Find yours at discovertheforest.org. Learn about forests near you and discover cool things to do when you go, like hiking, canoeing, fishing, or camping. Or create your own adventure with family and friends, and you might just see this. Your moment's out there. Find it at discovertheforest.org. That's discovertheforest.org. Brought to you by the U.S. Forest Service and the Ad Council. Welcome back to Money Talk, brought to you by Cornerstone Home Lending. Since 1988, a mortgage banker and direct lender that believes in providing in-depth loan consulting to its customers in a personalized and honest manner. And we can be reached at 805-564-1290, or you could email us at moneytalk1290 at gmail.com. And if you're just joining us, we have the pleasure of having the founder of Lucky Tail, Susie Minear with us. Susie, thanks for being here and sharing your story. Great. Glad to be here. Perfect. So let's let's start from the beginning. So where are you from originally? And you know, what what is your background? So I grew up in Southern California, a town called Arcadia, right next to Pasadena. And I came up to UC Santa Barbara and I never left. So I'm one of the lucky ones. I met my husband um, just before I graduated. I met him and we got married a few years later and we were able to stake our roots here and um, keep going. So that's kind of where I've been and how I got here. Um, so then before I, you were an entrepreneur, Susie, mm-hmm. you worked in corporate America, right? And For that's many, a feat many, to be able years. to, you know, pre-pandemic where corporate America and live in Santa Barbara, that's like, that's literally every kid at UCSB's dream. <laughs> exactly. I got very lucky and found a job Um, But I did have to commute a lot. I commuted to Oxnard for a while. Then I commuted to Westlake Village. So it was hard to find work in Santa Barbara. But I worked for a retailer um, for quite a few years. And I was in charge of all of their private label product. So I created the product. I sourced it. uh, My team designed it. And we brought it to market and um, built a very hefty business off of that. So when the um, transitioning from, you know, leaving corporate America and starting your own business, tell us about that journey, because it it wasn't as smooth as probably you had hoped it would have been. But 
you know, share with us your experience as an entrepreneur. Sure. Well, actually, it, it somewhat worked to my advantage. Um, I had already planned on going into my own business and selling direct to consumer prior to the pandemic. And I had sourced my product. I had planned on um, producing what I was making. I had created my brand and I was moving forward all that. And come around December, so I guess it would have been 2019, um, was when things started changing in China and the outbreak started to happen at the beginning of the year, Chinese New Year hit. And that's when my sourcing and my <clears throat> production started to change. And I knew that something was going to be delayed. But in reality, the customer was still there. I'm in the pet business. And so everybody still was interested in getting what they needed for their animals that they had. Plus, everybody was now purchasing online, which was right in line with how I was planning to market the business. So, so let's take a step back and talk mind. a little bit about Lucky Tail and what mm -hmm. it does and what it is. So when I left my corporate job, I had no idea what I was going to do. I thought, what, what can I do with the skills that I have? And so I decided to take the product development skills that I have. And then someone told me, did you know that Amazon is mainly small business sellers selling their product. And I had no idea that there were people like me selling their product on Amazon. So I decided to combine the two. I created a product and then I took the tools of selling it and marketing it directly on Amazon and put the two together. So what can you share with us a little bit about your products? They're pet products. And I know I know about them, but you probably are the best spokesperson. Sure. So my avatar is the crazy dog lovers can be cats, too, but mainly dog lovers. And my first product was a bag where when you go on a road trip with your dogs, you would probably normally take a grocery bag and throw everything in the grocery bag and go on the road. Well, I've created a bag specifically for your pets. It comes with a two food bowls, it comes with insulated food containers, and then it comes with a bag where you can put their leash, their medications, their toys, everything you need. So anytime that you're going on a road trip, you're going on an airline trip, you're going on a camping trip, whatever have you, you load up the bag and you're off. And um, it really appeals to those um, customers who treat their animals like family, like children. You know, this and, would have this would have been handy during the uh, evacuations. Uh, I remember I have three dogs, and you know, we you were rushing out, whether it was the fire or the floods, and you know, did you we you would scream? Did you get the food? Did you get the bowl? Did you get the toys? It, you know, it's good to have an evacuation bag for dogs as well. And it sounds like this would be something that could could be that evacuation pack. Absolutely. We keep ours, you know, loaded and ready to go, except for the food. We just put it all together and we're off. But you're absolutely right, Neil, that it could be used as an evacuation bag and, you know, anything that you want to make sure you take if you need to leave your home. You know, when I when I heard about your story, it reminded me of one of my stories, one of my favorite stories, because it's about me. Uh, and the story is 
uh, I used to be a partner of a, of a large investment banking firm. And then I left to, to start a tiny little real estate company. And I went from, if there's a mistake, you call, if the stationery is wrong, you call the stationery people, if the, whatever, you had a million people working for you. But I was on my own. I remember one night uh, uh, lying on the floor of my office with a bunch of five-part bills that were I was trying to fit through the matrix printer saying to myself, what have I done? And so the transition from, you know, being in part a big company to a small company is not something most people realize uh, is going to change actually how you work in the day in, in, and how, what kind of support you get. You're on your own. Yeah. Right. And that was a big awakening when I worked in my corporate job, I stayed in my lane. I contributed 110% to the company. Everything was about making my part of the company succeed. But when you start your own business, I think you don't know what you don't know. And there were so many parts of the business that I didn't know, but I have been a sponge over the past few years, absorbing everything I can and putting on my different hats from finance to marketing, to product sourcing, to um, advertising and everything in between. So tell us about, you know, when COVID did hit and you, your manufacturing started to slow down, how did you, you know, pivot from that and, and make it still a success? Well, thankfully I hadn't launched the product yet. So the only thing that it slowed down was me actually getting to market and starting the brand and starting um, the business. So I just took that opportunity to perfect everything that I could from um, all of my marketing parts to the website, to the social media part, and make sure that once the product finally got there, I could launch it with maximum success. And how long was the delay before you could launch? I would say it put me about mm, six months behind because I ended up launching in September of 2020. Right. Yeah. So if you were planning on that first quarter launch, you know, you basically moved to Q3 uh, on that on that piece. Right. Yeah. And so now in on your um, website, do you make all of your own and manufacture all of your own products or do you also resell other people's products? No, everything is my own brand. Um, so I design it and create it and find the partner to actually manufacture it and import it. I don't resell any other brands on my website. You're listening to Money Talk on AM 1290 and FM 96.9 and streaming at am1290kcsb.com. And we'll be right back. For prospective homebuyers, one of the most important steps of the loan process is getting clear and honest information from someone who will speak plainly and truthfully about loan programs and options. I'm Kelly Marsh, Vice President, California, of Cornerstone Home Lending, where our highly skilled and experienced team takes great pride in helping clients obtain home financing with honest, knowledgeable, fast, friendly, and efficient service. As a Santa Barbara native who has spent the past 20 years in the mortgage industry and has closed over 4,000 loans, I'd appreciate the opportunity to earn your business and invite 
invite you to visit the kellymarshteam.com or call my office at 805-563-1100 to learn more about how Cornerstone Home Lending can help you determine the best way to manage mortgage debt to achieve a more stable financial future. Licensed by the Department of Business Oversight under the California Residential Mortgage Lending Act. California Residential Mortgage Lending Act license number 41DB072220. California Financial Lending Law license number 60DB072528. Loan originator NMLS number 245822. Not a commitment alone. Equal housing opportunity. When a bank is owned by the community and invests in the community, it answers to a different call. It's personal. It's driven by your needs, not ours. Welcome to American Riviera Bank, based right here in Santa Barbara with branches in Montecito and Goleta. Our customers know us for personal service every day, every way. You can bank on us. Bank on us. Bank on us! American Riviera Bank. Bank on better. What if every child was sent on the right path, stayed in school, graduated college, got a job, and gave back to the community? What if every child's potential was fulfilled? It could be the start of something big. Every time you donate your time or money to Big Brothers Big Sisters, it helps make a big impact on a child's life. Help us start something big. Visit sbbigs.org or call 805-965-1001 to learn more about Santa Barbara County's Big Brothers Big Sisters program. Welcome back to Money Talk, brought to you by Arlington Financial Advisors, a leading wealth management firm founded on providing thoughtful, objective, and comprehensive financial guidance for families and entities who are seeking long-term financial confidence. And we can be reached at 805-564-1290, or you could email us at moneytalk1290 at gmail.com. And if you're just joining us, we have the pleasure of having entrepreneur and founder of Lucky Tales, Susie Minair, with us today. And so, Susie, um, in the last segment, we were talking a lot about Lucky Tail, how it how it's a dog primarily, but maybe a few cats. Um, you know, website where you can find lots of things. I think Neil is now your new customer. I think on the break he was buying things off the website. And so. You know, what was your biggest challenge moving from corporate America into that entrepreneurial space? You, by by training, are a product designer. And what were the biggest aha moments or things that you wish you had known beforehand when you started Lucky Tail? Well, I would say one of the biggest challenges for me was a personal challenge in that I am very used to working in a collaborative environment and having a team of designers and developers and everybody putting their opinions together to create the best product possible. And I really struggle sometimes personally being an entrepreneur of having that decision fall 100% on me. And my family can listen to me as long as possible and try and put up with me going over different questions. But sometimes you know, they're not the ones who are capable of making the, doing the answer, only I am. So that becomes um, certainly more of a challenge. But thankfully, in my space of, so I sell on Amazon, and there's many other sellers like me, small business entrepreneurs who have created these brands and sell directly on Amazon. There's a net, network and mastermind of other sellers. 
and I collaborate with them and we work together to understand each other's situations and share best practices and making sure that all of us are successful together. So that, that really helps kind of bring back this more collaborative feeling that I was used to having in the corporate side of things. For, for those people thinking of using Amazon, can you tell us some of the um, ways Amazon uh, facilitates and helps someone like you? So my business model I decided from the get-go to only sell on Amazon at the very beginning because I knew that I wanted to keep my overhead low, meaning I do not have to store any product. I do not have to hire a staff to ship any product. All of my product goes directly to Amazon. And so that obviously is also a huge solution in reaching the maximum amount of customers that you possibly can without having to be an expert in marketing and Facebook advertising and retargeting campaigns. So the difference in my business model without having the overhead, yes, I do pay Amazon a fee for using their marketing platform and for shipping the product to the customer. But if I didn't have them, I would have to be absorbing that as overhead in doing all of those things myself. So I chose to go with Amazon and I can also supply my customers. Anybody who's purchasing Prime can purchase my product and receive it in Prime shipping time and in that cost structure. So, so when you Google, when you Google something, there's uh-huh. this benefit to be higher up on the on the list of, of available products. How does Amazon work? Uh, when I don't even go to Google anymore, I go to Amazon. And so do they uh, look at your, 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 your current sales to see how high they are going to put you? If I Google pet, pets, yeah. uh, pet toys or, or pet supplies, how, how do you get higher and higher on the search term? Search term, yeah. So it's all those little acronyms that I learned. <laughs> so when you're when you're looking for something on the internet, you are typing in a word that is called your search term. Same with Amazon. When you type in a search term, it shows a selection of products. Amazon's algorithm has taken that search term and matched it with the products that most sex- successfully convert for that search term. And they will put you at the top of the page. But it's also complicated in that it includes the number of reviews that you have. It includes um, how long you have been an account and how you've been selling. So that's entirely the strategy of being successful is making sure that you show up as high as possible organically on any search term that you're trying to go after. And how do you become Amazon's choice of product? That's the mystery. (laughs) They do not explain that in black and white. But from what I can deduct, it is usually how well you convert on that search term and how well you sell and provide the customer a quality product. They are very customer centric in that they want to make sure their customers find exactly what they're looking for and are happy with the product that they receive. And so if I can provide that, then they will treat me better and show me to the customers more often. 
And so how do you how do you grapple with the fact that Amazon controls your database or of customers? And do you get that information as well? So you could send a direct mail piece, email yeah, that piece is, or is certainly one of the downsides. Um, they have when I first started, you could actually keep the customer's address. They have since taken that away. So there are other strategies to gather the customer information. For instance, in my product, I use an insert card and I offer them a value of some kind, whether it's a discount on a future product or to enter a drawing or a contest. And that is a way for me to also gather the customer information and retarget them in the future. If I have new products to launch, I can reach out to them and announce new products too. And so with this, do you have to be exclusive with Amazon? Is that one of the criteria? No, certainly not. And you can sell on Shopify or your own e-commerce. You can actually sell on Walmart because Walmart is developing a similar system where they have individual sellers come in and sell their product on their platform. Um, and you don't have to be. And Amazon is also recognizing that many customers will sell on their own website and they have offered any time that I direct a customer to purchase on Amazon, they'll actually give me credit back. So if I do a Google advertising campaign and my Google advertising campaign goes to Amazon and results in a purchase, they will give me 10% of that purchase, which pretty much will pay for the Google campaign. So they're learning that the more traffic they get to Amazon and the more they entice me to send my traffic to Amazon, rather than some other platform, the more business they're That's going fascinating. To so it's almost like you're your own affiliate. Yeah, they give us attribution to... links that we yeah. put into our URLs and that will track it. Once it hits the Amazon platform, then Amazon can see where that goes. And anytime it results in that sale, it will they will give us the credit back. Now, do you also use online marketing in that effort with other, or partner with other you know, pet companies where you, you know, give them that URL and send them to Amazon to buy your products or no, not yet. I haven't yet. I'm trying to keep myself focused. It's called um, shiny object syndrome of, you know, getting to, to spread out. Um, so I want to keep focused, but definitely the growth avenue would be to reach out to social media accounts, influencers, that kind of thing, who can take my product and show it to their audience. And then I am able to offer their audience a discount that goes back to my um, account on Amazon. You're listening to Money Talk on AM 1290 and FM 96.9, and we'll be right back. For prospective homebuyers, one of the most important steps of the loan process is getting clear and honest information from someone who will speak plainly and truthfully about loan programs and options. I'm Kelly Marsh, Vice President, California, of Cornerstone Home Lending, where our highly skilled and experienced team takes great pride in helping clients obtain home financing with honest, knowledgeable, fast, friendly, and efficient service. As a Santa Barbara native who has spent the past 20 years in the mortgage industry and has closed over 4,000 loans, I'd appreciate the opportunity to earn your business and invite 
invite you to visit the kellymarshteam.com or call my office at 805-563-1100 to learn more about how Cornerstone Home Lending can help you determine the best way to manage mortgage debt to achieve a more stable financial future. Licensed by the Department of Business Oversight under the California Residential Mortgage Lending Act. California Residential Mortgage Lending Act license number 41DB072220. California Financial Lending Law license number 60DB072528. Loan originator NMLS number 245822. Not a commitment to loan. Equal housing opportunity. It's a fact. Successful wealth management is built on strategies that focus on the big picture, take a long-term view, and establish deep and valued relationships. Hello, I'm Diane Duva, founding partner at Arlington Financial Advisors, Santa Barbara's trusted family guide, empowering you to make more informed and confident decisions. At Arlington Financial Advisors, we bring order and balance to your financial life by monitoring and managing risk so you can focus on your work, family, and enjoying the moment. We are a fully independent firm offering strategic financial planning, estate and tax planning, and private money management. Our plans and portfolios are handcrafted using a rigorous and disciplined approach, supported by a consistent yet highly personalized client experience. Our clients look to Arlington Financial Advisors as a home away from home, a comfortable place to protect what they've accomplished while they prepare for what comes next. Please visit ArlingtonFinancialAdvisors.com or call me, Diane Duva, at 805-699-7300. Welcome back to Money Talk, brought to you by American Riviera Bank, making your life easier with cutting-edge technology, mobile deposits, free use of every ATM machine in the country, and a level of service other banks can only dream about. So Susie, what made you choose pet products as your your niche for your new business? Um, because I am my customer's avatar. <laughs> I I love dogs. I've been rescuing dogs forever. And I figured what a better way to solve my customer's pain points than actually know what they're experiencing. So that put me right in line with doing something with dogs, of course, and eventually expanding out to other pets. Um, And eventually, I would love to take part of my business and the proceeds and find a good partnership with some rescue group or some, some kind of animal organization that I can give back to. That's really my ultimate goal when I get the business established enough to do that. So when you did your market research for that pet space, you know, there are a lot of names in that pet space. What were you hoping to, what, what niche were you hoping to fill that you didn't find in other um, pet businesses? I think the pet space is so broad that I'm driven to find the smaller niche within a niche. You know, as I mentioned, I don't think I will ever get into dog toys. Dog toys are a hard market. They're cheap. Um, They don't last. Customers don't understand why their dog toys don't last, but that's just the way they are. Um, So I am looking for, again, what are my customers' pain points and what can I do to help solve them? For instance, I am working on a waterproof, stink-proof collar. So when you take your dogs to the beach and they're swimming all the time, their webbing collar gets wet and it takes forever to dry. 
Well, Could you the, develop that for my kids' shoes too. Yeah, sure, no problem. <laughs> um, so I don't know about the stink part, stink part, but um, so the coated webbing that I have will not get wet, and it's super easy to wash, and it's very flexible, and it's colorful, and it's fun. So I'm excited about bringing that product to market because it's an actual real pain point that customers realize, well, this collar is awful. I need to throw it away and start over again because sometimes they get past the point of no return. So have you been impacted by the whole supply chain uh, disruption? Yes, definitely. For one thing, um, besides being delayed at the very beginning, just going into launch, the biggest impact has been the delay in shipping and the cost of shipping. I would say that the cost of shipping my units has pretty much tripled from where it was. So that's a big impact on my already pretty slim margin. And I'm really looking forward to the time where Chinese New Year just finished. So it's pretty much at a high point in cost still. But eventually, probably over the summer months, it should start to taper back down as long as we can get this equalization of containers back overseas and in the U.S., which was causing part of that delay in demand and the increase in costs. So, so most of your, your toys come from China? Um, right. I'm sourcing out of China. That's where most of my experience and background has been many Asian states between or countries between um, China, Vietnam, um, Thailand, all across the world, basically. But it's really hard to um, source other products when all of the other countries, when all of the components come from China, pretty much. Um, and I've worked to find manufacturers and partners who are not just about price. They're about quality and about delivery and about building relationships that will last for a so while. As you, were, as you were looking for a manufacturer and um, in, in Asia and COVID shut everybody down and there are so many companies that you know, basically killed their whole you know, product development and line and manufacturing in China. Was it difficult to find a manufacturer that you could that you could actually plug into because there were so many delays, or had you already um, written that contract and and you were off to the races? I was already moving forward with that, um, but there are so many different suppliers that are available that. In this day and age, you also want to have backup suppliers to make sure that if one of them falls through, there's another one in line. So you're constantly communicating with a lot of different people. And I'm looking forward to the time where I can actually travel again and go over and meet these um, partners in person because I've never met them in person, which is very odd to me. I've 20 years I've been sourcing in Asia and would travel there consistently and I haven't been over there since um, the start of COVID. So once that occurs, I think it will be better. I'll be better equipped to actually um, confirm the relationship and make sure they're good partners to move forward. And so is that fairly common when you're working with um, partners for supplies and manufacturing that you go over to the, the factories and the suppliers 
and meet them in person? Yeah, definitely. It's a very integral part of the relationship. Um, they value the face-to-face -face communication and the customs over there are quite different from the U.S. And so it's not just about saying hi to them. It's getting to know them. It's getting to know their family. It's building a trust over many, many years. Um, and that takes a long time and becoming, you know, part of their family. That's what I truly value in any of the partnerships that I've created. You know, we've talked about Google and we've talked about um, obviously Amazon, but what about Facebook? Uh, I uh, will respond to people who obviously I'm a dog lover uh, when I see a picture of a dog. So almost all of the advertisements that Facebook shows to me are about dogs, you know, right, whether because electronic... you respond to you're telling them. <laughs> right. So, so, but, but isn't that an area that could benefit a very directed product like you? I mean, do you use Facebook? Cause Facebook could actually um, zero in on people who uh, uh, you know, are dog lovers or even better those that click on and buy something, then, you know, they're not only like dogs, they actually buy stuff. Right. Right. It is certainly an opportunity. It's not a cheap opportunity because to actually show up in your feed, Neil, if I want to target you because you are a perfect dog owner for my business, I really should probably pay for that because I don't know that it's going to show up in your feed. Facebook is not as understanding to businesses as they are to personal accounts. So they want businesses to pay for that feature um, to be shown in the appropriate feeds of their customers. Hey, Susie, off air, I can give you Neil's direct email. So All right. I'm going to be sending <laughs> Correct to him. Uh, so what are some of your long-term goals for the, for the company? And do you have new products on the horizon? Well, as I mentioned, I have the uh, waterproof dog collar, and I'm actually going to do a leash too. I have a pet first aid kit, which I'm really excited about because it's something that I don't think anyone ever thinks of that they could use specific set of tools if their animal ever gets hurt. And um, I'm working on a new bag and lots of water bottles, lots of other things. My goal this year is to launch eight new products. So that's wow, very lofty. That is lofty. <laughs> <laughs> but I'm set to do it and uh, we're on the path moving forward. So great. And so now where do you get your inspiration for new products? Do you go on like kid baby things that, that they're selling and, and come up with new ideas that way? It comes from everywhere. It's, you know, I've been a product developer all my life. So you can never look at one thing the same way again. Um, your eyes are constantly open. It could be a completely unrelated industry that you find some idea in and learn how you can twist that into a dog product, especially in my business. I want to be take human products and make them just as good for dogs. You're listening to Money Talk on AM 1290 and FM 96.9. And believe it or not, we'll be right back with our final segment.
For prospective homebuyers, one of the most important steps of the loan process is getting clear and honest information from someone who will speak plainly and truthfully about loan programs and options. I'm Kelly Marsh, Vice President, California, of Cornerstone Home Lending, where our highly skilled and experienced team takes great pride in helping clients obtain home financing with honest, knowledgeable, fast, friendly, and efficient service. As a Santa Barbara native who has spent the past 20 years in the mortgage industry and has closed over 4,000 loans, I'd appreciate the opportunity to earn your business and invite you to visit the Kelly Marsh team.com or call my office at 805-563-1100 to learn more about how Cornerstone Home Lending can help you determine the best way to manage mortgage debt to achieve a more stable financial future. Licensed by the Department of Business Oversight under the California Residential Mortgage Lending Act. California Residential Mortgage Lending Act license number 41DB072220. California Financial Lending Law license number 60DB072528. Loan originator NMLS number 245822. Not a commitment to loan. Equal housing opportunity. When a bank is owned by the community and invests in the community, it answers to a different call. It's personal. It's driven by your needs, not ours. Welcome to American Riviera Bank, based right here in Santa Barbara with branches in Montecito and Goleta. Our customers know us for personal service every day, every way. You can bank on us. Bank on us. Bank on us! American Riviera Bank. Bank on better. You wanted to be a teacher when you were little, but as you grew up, things changed. Teaching just didn't seem like the best option anymore, so you decided to become something else. But what would your 12-year-old self say? Interesting and innovative things are happening in teaching today, so it's time to put it back on your list. Don't try to convince yourself otherwise. You had it right the first time. Find out how you can make more at teach.org. Make more. Teach. Brought to you by Teach and the Ad Council. Welcome back to Money Talk, brought to you by Arlington Financial Advisors, a leading wealth management firm founded on providing thoughtful, objective, and comprehensive financial guidance for families and entities who are seeking long-term financial confidence. So, Susie, you know, as we've been talking over the last hour about Lucky Tail, your company for um, pets, you know, would you leave? Your timing was was very was great and and scary all at the same time pre COVID. But would you do it again? Would you leave corporate America and start a business knowing what you know now? I wish I had done it sooner. <laughs> um, I do not regret anything I've done. I certainly learned so many different skills over those corporate years, and I gained a ton of confidence. If I hadn't have had that experience, I don't think I would have had the confidence to go out on my own. Um, so I don't look back and regret anything. I think it was good timing. It was the right thing for me to do at that time. And I'm super excited about growing what I have here and expanding it even further. Do you have any trouble getting motivated to uh not go out and walk around with your dog, but stay at your desk. I mean, you you have no one to answer to, and and you don't have a coffee uh, uh, break time with a bunch of of coworkers. So, do you have time keeping focused? I focus too much. I'm kind of a workaholic, so it it is a matter of my dog coming over to me and saying, "Okay, time to go out for a walk now. Time to take a break." Um, but I try and structure my day where I block out time, where in the morning hours, I get as much focus time as I can, 
put on projects on my list. And then in the afternoon is a little bit more flexible. I can go run errands or do something or work on smaller projects. But it certainly is a challenge not having anybody accountable. And in fact, the other day I was, I woke up in the morning, I get up pretty early and I start my day and, and go to work. And I thought, no one's making me sit down and start this except me. So I guess I'm, I'm doing a pretty good job motivating myself to keep going every day. That's great. Well, so one, one last question is, you know, have you found because of COVID your market has actually expanded for these specialty type pet products? Given, I feel like everybody I know has adopted a dog during this COVID pandemic time. Right. I think that's one of the advantageous things about being in my market now. I know from history and from my work experience previously that the pet industry does not become very impacted by the changes in the economy. You know, people will consistently spend money on their animals as much as they need to because they treat them like family. So with all of these new, even more expensive things coming out between all of the expensive dog food, where even this morning I was reading a trend that the wellness part of pets, the supplements that you give them, um, the vitamins, that market is even continuing to trend up. So I think it's only going to get bigger and it's going to expand even further into other areas that are currently only applicable to humans, they will start being converted over to animals as well. I have a final question. Have you thought about, you know, providing your products to pet stores? Eventually, maybe. <laughs> but I, I don't know. Not yet. Well, thank you so much for being here. I'm going to go and uh, get my dog some some goodies. Uh, and um, uh, I, you know, as a dog owner. I know what your Christmas present next year will be, Neil. For me or the dogs? It, it's one and the same. That's true. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, thank, thank you so much. Uh, thank you so much for be, being here, uh, Susie. And thank you all for listening. You've been listening to Money Talk, and we'll see you all next week. Mm-hmm.